Very thankful to share God's word with you this morning. If you would open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, we'll pick up where we left off last week. Specifically, we'll be in verses 16 through 18 uh, this morning. If you're joining with us on campus, I would encourage you to look underneath the seat in front of you or underneath the seat that you're sitting in. If you do not have a Bible, there's a blue Bible there. I would encourage you to take that Bible, open up to page 1077, 1077. That's where we'll be uh, this morning. We'd also encourage you to take that uh, Bible home with you as a gift from Charleston Baptist Church uh, to you. Before we begin our time in God's Word this morning, let us uh, ask the Lord to bless our time in His Word through prayer. Uh, Lord, we come to you this morning, uh, Lord, through the Spirit, hopefully hungering for your Word, your truth, the power that is in your Word, uh, reminding us each and every day of our need for uh, the Word of God. Lord, not a wisdom of man, not uh, based on how we feel, uh, but Lord, we need uh, the eternal truth of God that is given to us, uh, not only through the written word revealed to us through your spirit, but also shown to us through the life, uh, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, your son. So Lord, we ask that we will humble before you today. Uh, Lord, we ask that you show us uh, our need for grace, Lord, that you would remind us of the importance of living in that grace, and Lord, where there is a need for confession and repentance and renewed trust in the beautiful gospel message of Christ, uh, Lord, we pray that through the Spirit you would draw us to that very place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. As you're opening up to uh, the book of Galatians uh, chapter 5, it's important for us to really see the book of Galatians in in two main categories. Uh, The first category would be found in chapters 1 through 4, and really that just uh, is... There's a lot of doctrinal truth there, if you will. Uh, And a lot of that truth is surrounded around the topic of justification, because that's what Paul is addressing there in the early church uh, in Galatia. Uh, uh, The understanding that we are uh, made right with God, and we remain right with God, not because of our performance, not because of what we do, but because of faith in Christ and what he has done, right? So that's important. Uh, But not only that, when we get to uh, chapters 5 through 6, where we're at today, is it's not just justification in that we're right with God and made right with God and remain right with God because of faith, but that same faith uh, produces something in us, right? There's a transformation that happens uh, because of the gospel, meaning that we're not the same people anymore, right? Uh, Remember, Paul said that, that my former life was that, but now in Christ, I am a new creation. And so when we get to chapter 5, chapter 5 and 6, it's how do these doctrinal truths let play out in life? And so that's what we're talking about now. So we're, where the rubber meets the road, if you will, what does that look like in the life of a believer? And what happens in Galatians chapter 5 is we, we see this amazing call of gospel freedom. The word freedom is used uh, some 20 times in the New Testament. However, this is not a New Testament only concept. The, the idea of freedom, specifically spiritual freedom, is all throughout Scripture. You go back to Genesis 3, when sin first entered in the world, there is a promise given in Genesis 3.15. That is the first encounter that we have with the message of the gospel, that God is going to send someone to fix what we broke, right? And it's in him and only in him, the promised Messiah to come, that true freedom will be experienced. So when we get to Galatians 5, uh, there's three places where that word freedom is used. The first one is in verse 1 of Galatians 5. The scripture says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Again, the freedom that the gospel is attacking and addressing is not so much physical freedom but spiritual freedom. In other words, you can live in a land that gives tremendous physical freedom and yet have absolutely no spiritual freedom at all. 
On the flip side, you can live in a land that has very, 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 very little physical freedoms, but you are the freest person in that country. And so it's a reminder to us that it's not so much physical freedom that the gospel is after. It is after your spiritual freedom. But here's what we find in that first verse, that there are attacks against the freedom that we have in Christ. And the first one that he mentions here is, is that of legalism. And he talks about the yoke of slavery, and the, uh, legalism has this idea that I have, to, I have to prove myself, right? I have to prove myself to God that I am deserving of this gift of grace to me, that I have to secure it, that I have to earn it, that I have to merit it, and so it's this works-based salvation. Uh, in other words, that, that God did not do enough for me through the finished work of Christ, therefore I have to add to it, right? And, and it's that type of mentality in life, yes, even for the Christian, because that's who Paul is addressing, that you become uh, not living in freedom in Christ, but you begin to go back to the bondage that we used to have apart from Christ. But there's also a, another enemy that we looked at uh, last week, the enemy of license. That's found in verse uh, 13, where the scripture says, for you were called to freedom. So again, this is a, a gift that God gives us, the call to freedom. And he talks about brothers, and he says, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So in order, other words, the freedom that Christ has for us, that spiritual freedom, is, is not to be uh, drawn back to legalism where we're trying to perform, nor is it a, a place of license where there are no restraints, right? There are no guidelines. Listen, the law of God still remains, right? There is an ethic part of the morality and ethics of God, and it is good, it is glorious, and so it's not about us just saying, you know what, I'm going to do whatever I want, I'm going to live however I want, I'm going to go from one thing to another thing. That is not gospel freedom because it's there that you too also experience the bondage of sin. Remember, listen, this idea, and we got to be careful, especially parents, follow your heart. No, don't. Listen, the heart will bring you to places of great desperation and darkness. Don't follow your heart, right? The scripture says the heart is what? The heart is uh, deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Do you believe that? You go back and look at Romans 3, apart from Christ, it is pretty bad. Romans 1, 2, and 3 is not, not a good place in Scripture, but it's there that we realize that uh, the sacrifice that we need, the righteousness that we need, doesn't come from us. It comes from Jesus Christ himself. And the, the point that Paul is making in those first 15 verses of Galatians is there was a time where you were running free. But he says something interesting in verse 7. He says, you were running well. In other words, you were running free. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Who or what got in your lane, Right? Who got in the way? What got in the way? Was it license? Was it legalism? Was it both? What got in your way? So the question for us this morning is, are we running free today? As a follower of Christ, are you running free today? If not, what is getting in the way? What's getting in your lane, if you will? What's uh, stopping that freedom that Christ has for you? The other question is, if you're not running free today, do you want to run free? Do you want to live in the very freedom that Christ has for you and I? And if you are here this morning and you want to get back to that place of freedom, or if you're here today as a follower of Christ and you are living in that freedom, but you want to make sure that you, that you through the gospel, have proper guardrails so that you will continue to live in that freedom, this, this passage is for us today. Uh, verses 16 through 18, the scripture says, But I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not 
under the law. So there's three aspects that Paul, that Paul uh, brings out in this passage that help us understand how we are to, to live in the very freedom that Christ has for us. And the first one is this. We are to live in spiritual dependency. Live in spiritual dependency. Listen, if you're going to live free in Christ, you need to be dependent on him, not yourself, right? Uh, and I love verse 16 because verse 16 gives us a command and a promise. And this is important. So we look at verse 16 real quick. The scripture says, but I say walk by the spirit. That's the command. That's important. That's, that's what you are to do, right? And then what's the divine promise that is given? And you will what? You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So think about the command for just a moment. Walk by the spirit. This is continuous action. This is not one-time deal. This isn't, oh yeah, I walked by the Spirit when I was 12 and now I'm 85. No, this is every single day, every moment of the day, you are walking by the Spirit. The idea of walking is a deliberate action by choice, choosing to live moment by moment, uh, not living in my own power and desires, but living in the very desires and power that God has given to me through His Spirit. And Paul is reminding us that this walking is a, is a, is a place of uh, progress. It's a, it's, a, it's a direction that we're headed in life, right? And he says that we are to keep on walking, being what? Being filled with the Spirit. And it makes sense. This, this Christian life didn't get started because of something we did, Right? This Christian life started because of the Spirit's work in your life and my life, right? So why should it continue any differently? Remember, Paul addressed this already in Galatians 3.3. Are you foolish? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Uh, the, the Spirit of God is so central in the life of every single believer. In fact, when you look at Galatians 5, just as a whole, it's used four, uh, four different times the Spirit is mentioned as far as some form of walking by the Spirit. And we're going to unpack these things. But the Holy Spirit of God is mentioned over 240 times in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowered Jesus, right, when he was led into the wilderness, right? That's important. It was the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the grave. That's important. Jesus tells us before he goes to the cross that he's going to send a helper, a comforter, and who is that helper? Who is that comforter? The person of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who reveals truth to us. It's the Holy Spirit that transforms our hearts. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us. He gifts us. He strengthens us. He prays for us. He leads us. He guards us. He teaches us. He convicts us. He seals us. He indwells every believer. If you are a follower of Christ today, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. So the Christian life isn't just about your sins being forgiven. Praise God for that. It's about your life being transformed, right? And that's what Paul mentions in Titus chapter 2. The scripture says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in, this pre in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Now we understand the command. Walk by the Spirit. But what about the promise? You will not gratify the desires of your flesh. Now, when we think about flesh, it's not just uh, skin and bones, right? That's not what we're talking about here. The flesh refers to all the places where we want to satisfy ourselves with what? Ourselves, right? We want to determine how we're going to seek approval, love, and satisfaction in this life. So we're going to do what we want to do. So this idea of gratifying the desires of the flesh means that we, all of us have these, these sinful cravings in our life, right? Yes, we have been set free from the power of sin and the penalty of sin, but the remnant of sin still dwells in you and I today, right? That day will come when we're set free completely, right? That day will come when Jesus comes again or we go to the Lord. But the scripture is reminding us that, that we are not to uh, satisfy the cravings of the flesh. And how does that happen? By walking by the Spirit. 
So in other words, when we think about these intense desires, and guess what? They are intense. Do you agree with that? Do you have intense desires of the flesh? Absolutely. Every single one of us does. But the scripture reminds us that when we uh, aren't walking by the Spirit and trying to satisfy the desires of the flesh, we're not living in freedom. In fact, we're going right back to the very bondage that Christ has freed us from. So we have this divine promise. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We have this personal responsibility through the power of the Holy Spirit to walk by the Spirit. This means we cannot expect to walk by the Spirit if we are constantly filling our eyes, ears, mind, and body with the desires of the flesh, the things of this world. And that's exactly where many of us find ourselves. We're so indated with the things of the world, the things of the flesh, that we, we forget what it's even like to walk by the Spirit, right? There is tremendous freeing power when you are submitting yourself daily, moment by moment, by the Spirit's work in your life. That's why Paul says this in Ephesians 5. He says, beginning in verse 15, he says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. I love the phrase there where it says, making the best use of the time. The scripture is saying there, it's a marketing term commerce term. Buy up every opportunity that you can. Seize the moment of your entire lifespan for what? For the glory of God, not for the enslavement of the flesh. In other words, live intentionally, live urgently, live dependently on the spirit who lives inside of you. Why? Because time is short. Mom, dad, your time is short for your children to be in your own home. Are you seizing up the opportunity? Do you realize your time is short in your workplace in your school, just life in general, time is short. Seize the moment. Purchase every moment you can for the glory of the Lord and reflecting the love of Christ to those around you. And Paul gives tremendous contrast here. Not as wise, but as wise. Not foolish, but understanding the Lord's will. Not drunk with wine, but what? Filled by the Spirit. In other words, you can choose to live by the desires of the flesh or by the desires of the Spirit. The word debauchery is important. It talks about wastefulness, right? Listen, when you're living based on the desires of the flesh, that's a place of wastefulness, right? Now, the scripture talks specifically about alcohol. In other words, are you going to be influenced by the things of the world or influenced by Christ himself? Listen, it's not just about alcohol. I have my personal convictions about alcohol. Uh, but just like many other things in Scripture, there is gospel freedom in certain areas. But if you're not relying on the truth of God and the power of God in every and any freedom that Christ gives us, guess what? Those things will ultimately lead to what? Bondage and sin. And so the question is, are you going to be living your life influenced by a substance or a substitute or by your Savior? Right? So that's where the Scripture is telling us. Let the operating influence of your life be Christ himself through his spirit. Walk by the spirit. And this is critical for every single follower of Christ, so much so that Paul says in Romans 13, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make what? Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Listen, our desires of the flesh will not rest. They will not rest until we're dead or Jesus comes and gets us, right? So they are constantly in our life. So don't give any provision whatsoever. Walk by the Spirit, the strength of the Spirit, and step of His ways. Don't trust yourself. Don't trust your own uh, strength. Don't trust your own wisdom, your, your own ability to do something. We want to live 
uh, independent lives. Listen, the, the call to every Christian of follow me is dependent on him and him alone. And so we need to grasp the understanding that we are to live in spiritual dependency on him. Why? Because the command leads to a divine promise. You understand? Second thing that we learn from the passage is we need to understand the spiritual battle. We need to understand the spiritual battle. Listen, the battle is real, right? And what we find is every follower of Christ is facing a battle or many battles, and those battles are intense. Paul says in Galatians 5, 17, he says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do and and the heart of every follower of christ there's a civil war that's raging right that's what he's saying it's it's battle time even the most godly people that you know as long as there's breath in their lungs is facing spiritual battle there is spiritual battle all around us the flesh and the spirit are opposed to one another. In other words, they're not in agreement at all. And because of that, there is hostility. And here's the beauty of it, though. It's not me fighting my flesh. It's the spirit of God living inside of me fighting my flesh. That means I have a chance, right? I have hope. Not just a chance, not just hope, but the spirit of God wins every single time. That's important. It's not up for debate. The spirit of God wins every single time. That's why it's important to walk by the spirit. Therefore, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is great gospel news. Why? Because in the midst of that intense battle, you're not to yourself. You're not alone. You're not alone in the midst of the battle. Listen, apart from the gospel work in your life, you have no hope. But because of the Holy Spirit's work in your life, guess what? You have tremendous gospel hope. Paul understood this very much. Uh, Romans 7, we looked at this uh, not too long ago, but let's just walk through it one more time. Romans seven fifteen. see if you relate to Paul, right? I hope we do. The scripture says in verse 15, he says, for I do not understand my own actions. Right? Anybody been there before? For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Paul is talking about the new me. He says, I am a new creation in Christ. However, in the midst of my, that new creation, my desires for honoring the Lord and living the life that God desires for me, there's still remnant of the old self that desires to go the opposite direction, right? He goes on to say in verse 18, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be the law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Paul says, man, I have so, so, so many good intentions, but such little progress. Anybody feel like that sometimes? Remember Paula Abdul's song back in the 80s? Two steps forward, one step back, right? Some of you all remember that. Some of you don't. Don't, don't Google it. It's okay. <laughs> How many of us wake up and we analyze the day before and, and we just say, we're going to do, I'm doing better today, right? I'm going to do better today. Listen. And you find between the front door of your house to your car and to wherever you're going next, there's a hard no. No, you're not, right? <laughs> you get a phone call, you get a text message, you, you realize you forgot something or you didn't do something. Listen, the, the no of the flesh is before your eyes every single day, right? That's why the gospel is so important. The battle is always real. Verse 22, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being. That's talking about that, that new self, that new creation. I delight in the law of God. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Listen, 
Again, apart from Christ, we have no hope. That's why the Spirit of God is so, so important. Who's, who's our hope? Verse 24, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I love the word deliver there. It's a mili- think about military battle for just a moment. Uh, that word deliver talks about a, a soldier who is wounded in battle and somebody else picks him up and puts him on his shoulder and brings him back to a place of safety. Listen, you and I, we're, we're wounded. The sin of the flesh is there. So we walk daily wounded in this world. But who is the one who is carrying us? Who is the one that's going into the spiritual battle and carrying us? It's not you. It's not your best friend. It's not your mom or your dad. It's Jesus Christ through his spirit. And he gets you every single time. The scripture reminds us in 1 Peter chapter 2 of the idea that we, we have to submit to the right person or thing, if you will, to carry us in the midst of the battle, right? Listen, because not all of us as Christians are choosing to allow Jesus to carry us, right? We're, we're, we're going to substance, we're going to uh, workaholic, you know, all these different things. Desires of the flesh are many things. And so the scripture is reminding us that there's only one who will carry you in the spiritual battle. There's only one. And that's why Peter says in 1 Peter 2, verse 11, he says, Beloved, so again, our identity in Christ is we're a child of God. He says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. In other words, this is not our home. That's why the battle is so intense, right? To abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. The word abstain literally means to keep away from something, right? Don't have this idea that I see the line drawn, so I'm going to get as close as I can without going over. No, you stay away from it. That's why God gives certain individuals specific personal convictions. Because God knows the desires of your flesh. And so if he convicts you with something, abstain from it. Stay away from it. Yes, other people may have freedom in certain things, but that's okay. God's calling on your life is God's calling on your life. Stay away from it. God knows the addictive personalities of our flesh. Therefore, he says, abstain. It's kind of like when you're out in the woods, right? You're out in wildlife. What's the one thing they always tell you? Don't feed it, right? Don't feed the wildlife. There's a reason for it. Because if you're the food source for that particular wild animal, it's going to keep going back to you. And at some point, the very thing that you think you're feeding to it, you will be the very meal for them, right? So that's the scripture, the implication there. And think about the way that uh, temptation works in our life for just a moment, right? Tem- at the heart of temptation is deceit, right? Deceit and unbelief, right? That's, that's the heart of temptation. Uh, in other words, you're going to lie to yourself every single day. I'm going to lie to myself every single day. We're going to try to convince ourselves. Yes, we, we have God's word over here, but temptation begins to come in, and, and we're going to try to convince ourselves, yeah, yeah, this is, this is true, but not for me right now. And so I'm going to try to do all these things to satisfy me, right? I'm going to go after the things of the world. Think about temptation for just a minute. James, the half-brother of Jesus, speaks of this in James chapter 1. He says in the beginning of verse 14 and into 15, he says, but each person is tempted. How many of us are tempted as followers of Christ? Every single one of us, right? Every single one of us. When he is lured and enticed by his what? Own desire. A few weeks ago, my family was able to go on vacation 
uh, with uh, another family that had been so dear to us over the years. And uh, one of the opportunities that I had with uh, the gentleman that came with us was we went fishing in the Everglades. It was incredible, right? And we had a guide that taught us how to do stuff. And, and for the first couple of hour or whatever, he's, he's making sure we have the technique down, right? Because the purpose of the lure is to drive that fish, entice that fish to come out of their place of rest and protection, right? And so if it be a rock or some kind of brush or whatever, you, you got to have the right noise, the right action so that you can, you can get that fish. And I will just say that our guide was fantastic. We caught 72 huge bass and peacock bass in a matter of just a few hours, right? But the reality is that's the same for you and I today. When we think about temptation, a thought pops in your mind, right? You hear the, the lure hit the water. All of a sudden, that thought that's in your mind, you begin to kind of delight in whatever that thought is. And all of a sudden, that enticing, that luring begins to happen, right? And so at this point, that temptation hasn't led to sin yet, but you sure are thinking about it, right? So the thought, all of a sudden there's delight, and the scripture goes on to say in verse 15, if it's not uh, guarded by the message of the gospel, who you are in Christ, the power of God in you through his spirit, verse 15 says, then desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin. In other words, you've consented to it, right? You made a choice. Yes, the thought's good. I delight in it. Therefore, I'm going to consent. I'm going to disobey. That's where the sin is. And what happens? What happens with unconfessed, unrepentant sin? The scripture says in sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Now, James isn't talking about eternal death, eternal separation from God. Listen, if you are a follower of Christ, a child of God, you are sealed forever through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the death that he's talking about is, is fracture in the relationship, right? There's, there's a fellowship issue between you and the Lord when sin is in your life. Just like when we think about our personal relationships with one another. Anytime that sin is there, even when the sin is not known by the other person, it affects your life. It affects your relationship in a very, very negative way. So when we think about temptation, again, temptation in and of itself is not sinful. How do we know? Because Jesus himself was tempted, and he's without sin, right? It's, it's what you do with that temptation that either leads you to a place of victory or a place of bondage. Temptation is that moment in one's life when you are experiencing the tension between staying faithful to God and his ways or choosing to be unfaithful and going your own direction. In other words, are you going to continue to run free? Or are you going to go back to the very slavery that Christ has freed you from? The very thing that promised so much to you in that temptation, if you're not careful, you will find out that it is a tremendous liar, right? And it will cost oftentimes more than you want to give up. So you must prepare yourself for battle. Scores of Christians walk around thinking they have it all under control, right? I've got this. I can do it on my own. I'm better than that, right? Oh, it just happened that one time. No. Perfect bait for Satan if that's your mentality, so we need to know that the Spirit of God is in our lives. He has given us gospel, resurrected power, and he will give us provision even in the midst of great, intense temptation. How do we know? 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verse 12, the scripture says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he fall. In other words, don't live in pride. No temptation has overtaken you that is not uh, common to man. In other words, everybody faces temptation. But here's what we find out. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. In other words, he will take initiative in your life to give you the very provision that is necessary in order to overcome that uh, temptation. He says, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure. What's the way of escape? It's the gospel of grace, right? It goes back to the grace of God, reminding us that we're not alone in the battle. Yes, we feel weak. We feel vulnerable, right? We know it's intense, 
But the scripture tells us that we're not alone. And guess what? The victory has already been won, right? The victory has already been won in Christ. Therefore, one day we know that the battle will be over. But right now, the battle still rages on, right? So find your hope in Christ. Understand the spiritual battle. And lastly, remember your spiritual position. Remember your spiritual position. In the midst of the battle, in the midst of exercising your faith and spiritual dependency on the Lord, don't forget who you are and whose you are. That's what he says in Galatians 5.18. He says, but if, the better translation would be since, but since you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. In other words, the gospel changes everything. We are no longer under the condemning weight of the law. Yes, the demand of perfection is still there. That has not changed. But it doesn't rest on you. It fully rests on Jesus Christ, who has fulfilled the law in all ways. He is more than sufficient. The burden is gone, and the provision of grace is here. The Spirit is leading us. He is empowering us, and our role is to humbly follow after him. This is one of the grace gifts that the Spirit gives us every single day. Even in the midst of the battle, I have the assurance that I am his. Remember what Paul said in Galatians 4, 6, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. This cry is not a cry of sadness or lament. This is a cry of tremendous joy. Why? Because the Spirit of God is reminding you that you are forever a part of the family of God. And this cry of joy reminds me that His grace is transforming me. That's why Paul said in Romans 6, 14, for sin will have what? No dominion over you since you are not under the law but under grace. How is this true? Why is this true? Because of the Spirit's work in your life. The prophet Ezekiel speaks of this in the Old Testament in Ezekiel 36. Listen to what God is doing in your life. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put it with, uh, within you and I will remove the heart of stone from you, from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Listen, that's a, that's a gift of God. He gives me new desires, new power, new loves, new affections, right? He's going to do what I can't do. He's going to take uh, my dead heart, my dead heart towards God, and he makes it alive in Christ through his spirit. And it reminds me that because of my spiritual position in Christ, I have a gracious advocate that is on my side, the advocate of Jesus Christ. 1 John 2, 1 says, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. In other words, we now have a choice, right? Can't say the devil made me do it. Nope. I have a choice not to sin through the power of Christ in me. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So we have provision not to sin. We also have provision when we do sin. Uh, it's a reminder to us that we have new power in Christ. Galatians 2.20. So these are all truths to help us when we're going through the spiritual battle of temptation, right? These are important. Galatians 2.20. Listen to what Christ has done. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life... I now live in the flesh. I live by what? By faith. By faith in the Son of God. Not faith in myself, but faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All of this is based on what? My new spiritual position in Christ. That's important. Think about the power that he has given to us. 2 Peter 1.3 His divine power has granted to all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them and only through them may become partakers of divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful 
desires. The great call on your life, the great call on my life to reflect the holiness of God doesn't come from our strength, our power, our, our wheelhouse. It comes from him. He is the one that's giving us that divine power. You have victory over sin today because of him. You have everything you need to live a life that honors and reflects him. The question is, what happens? What happens when life tries to hold us down? When the sins of the flesh try to hold us down, what do we do? We get a great picture of what to do in Hebrews 12. Hebrews 11, it talks about, uh, quote-unquote, the heroes of the faith, the saints in the Old Testament, how they walked uh, by faith and not by sight. And right after that, in Hebrews 12, it tells us this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so, such a great cloud of witnesses, those are talking about the Old Testament saints, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and that's what it wants to do. So think about a runner. A runner doesn't want to be wearing baggy sweatpants, right? They want to, I mean, they want stuff that's close, tight. They want to go, right? So all those loose things in your life, get rid of them. All those things, those desires of the flesh, that's why abstaining from those things are so important. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Listen, the race that is set before you is beautiful. It is amazing. It's only what God can do. But it's going to be a hard one. I'm not going to lie. Listen, this idea that I'm a Christian now, everything's great. No, it's a tough one. The, only, the reason why you have spiritual battles in your life is because you are a child of God, right? So when you... Think to yourself, man, I don't know if I'm a Christian because I'm, I, I still struggle with this, this, and this. Listen, that might be the very confirmation that you are a follower of Christ, right? The very fact that you are struggling with the desires of the flesh. But where's our focus in the midst of this? Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, don't fix your eyes on your weakness. Don't fix your eyes on what you're unable to do. Don't fix your eyes on anything else. Fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. So Paul says, live free. Again, are you living free today? Do you see why the spirit of God is so important? We haven't even gotten to the sins of the, the works of the flesh. That's next week. But do you see why the spirit of God is so important in your life and my life? I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.17. He says, now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Will you choose today? to run free with him through the spirit. Live in spiritual dependency. Understand the battle. Remember your spiritual position. The question is, are you running free? Are you depending on the spirit today? Do you understand the very battle that you're in, the, ba the battle that you've been facing for a long time, the battle that you will face today or will face tomorrow? It's a battle, but praise be to God. It's the spirit attacking the flesh, not me attacking the flesh. Have you forgotten who you are and whose you are? in Christ. Maybe you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ. You never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Listen, the only person that can break the bondage and the chains in your life is Jesus Christ. But for those of us who are in Christ, listen, those chains want to shackle us up every single day. And so we live by faith, right, in the finished work of Christ. And so maybe you're here today and you, as you just feel the weight of gospel conviction, of, I don't even know what the works of the flesh that we're going to talk about next week. I'm not sure yet. I haven't read that far ahead. I'm just talking about you. But you realize there's conviction there. Listen, if there's conviction where you're sitting today, man, praise be to God first and foremost. Secondly, respond to him in faith. Surrender to him. Lord, I know that you can do a work of grace in my life. Not just for today, but every single day. So I'm leaning on you, not myself. So where there's confession, let, let it, there be confession. Where there's repentance, let us repent. And when there's renewed trust in the gospel, let us trust in the finished work of Christ. Whatever your decision is today, I'll be up front. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to pray with you. The altar will be open.